A person who speaks in a denigrating, in a derogatory manner towards a mate. It's as if he's speaking to a rock. Why is that? One possibility is that the mate team have no clue what's going on. That was one of the possibilities, one of the opinions we saw yesterday. Some say that they are aware. It just doesn't bother them. They're not interested. Any? Is that really true? Person spoke inappropriately or denigrating manner towards or about Shmuel. A log or a beam fell off of the roof. And split open his skull. It seems here that somebody got involved to rectify that situation. Hashem gets involved to take revenge or to protect his honor. So it wasn't Shmuel himself that was engaging this individual. It was a Kodesh Baruch Hu on behalf of Shmuel. So I'm Rabbi Shua ben Levi. Anybody speaks in an inappropriate derogatory manner about a Tamil Chacham. Achamim Tatam means possibility of two things here. Either Chaymit Tatan is the mitah of the mate, meaning after the coffin or the person who's mate when they're dead. Or you can see here in the Mesorah Tashat, he brings the other possibility, which is Perishah Chaymit Tatan Lashun Hatayahu. Mitatan is a description of the nature of how they spoke about the Tamil Chacham. Shinamar. How do we know this from the pasuk and tilim? Vamatim tal talotam yolichem Hashem et poleavin shalom al Yisrael. For those who turn aside to their crooked ways, Hashem will lead them away with the rest of the poleavin, those that do evil, those that sin. Shalom al Yisrael. But bnei Yisrael, Yisrael will be in peace. Afilu bishash shalom al Yisrael. Even a time that there's peace amongst Israel, yolichem Hashem et poleavin. Shem will still make sure that these people end up with the rest of the evildoers. And Tosa points out, Shalom Yisrael is a Hainalachar Mitato. When is there always peace? After someone dies. There's only one side to an argument when the other person dies. So there's always Shalom after the individual dies. So Shalom Yisrael says after the person dies. Yet Hashem still says in that instance, I will ensure those that speak evilly or in, inappropriately, will be taken care of and placed with those the other sinners. Person sees in the evening time that a Tamil Chacham has violated a sin. Don't the next day have any questions about him. Because maybe he did tshuva. So there's no reason for you to keep that or think about that any longer. Shema Sakadatcha. When I says, maybe did Shuva? Ella Vadayasa Shuva. He certainly did Shuva. Avani Milibit Varim Shibukufo. That's only true when we're dealing with Benadam the Chavero issues that are not monetary in nature. Avalbimuna Adabhadilamare. In monetary matters, until he rectifies the monetary situation, then he do have the right to question his ethics, his morality in this situation. So this is connected to the Mishnah Avot, which is that we always have to be done at Kola Adam the Kafsuchut. A person you always have to look at them in a positive manner. There, Rabbeinu Yonah in his explanation in Avot divides up basically into three categories, which is that there is someone who is a tzaddik, someone who is a tamad chacham, which is found in our Gemara here. In that instance, there's no issue of Danakav Skut. One must assume that all their actions that they take are to be interpreted to the positive. And even when they can't be interpreted to the positive, we have to assume that they've rectified the situation. So we always must think positively. On the other side, if a person is a rasha, then one can interpret all their actions as being negative. 
one does not have to give the benefit of the doubt. One can assume that whatever they're doing is incorrect or inappropriate. The only time that this din of Dan the Kafskut applies is for someone who's a Benoni, person who is a middle-of-the-road person. And over there you have an action that can be interpreted in one of two ways. It can be interpreted positively or negatively. In that case, that's when we invoke the principle of the Mishnah vote of Dan, have you done the Dan the Kafskut? They have to then, between the choices of negative and positive, take the positive side. And Agamar is describing over here that other piece of the puzzle, which is the Tzaddik or the Tamar Chacham, where you must always interpret their actions to be positive. From Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, and you can, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi says, mikomot beit din minadin al-kvodarav. There are 24 instances in which beit din puts someone into nidu, into excommunication, because they have not shown proper respect towards the Chachamim. And these 24 instances are all enumerated in the Mishnah. So Amalei Rabbi doesn't wear. So go ahead, you go look, go through the Mishnayot and you'll find them. So Navuak Dak Vashkach Tlat. He went out to search the Mishnayot and he found three cases that were found in the Mishnayot. Hamizazel binitilat yadaim, vamasaperachar mitatan shaltamir chachamim, vamigizdato klape mavo. Someone who uh, demeaned the mitzvah of nitilat yadaim washing one's hands. Person who spoke in an inappropriate manner denigrated a Talmud chacham. Someone who was haughty or spoke inappropriately towards a Kodesh Baruch Hu. In that instance, we assume that a Kodesh Baruch Hu is just a Kavachomer of disrespect towards the Chachamim. So if one has disrespect for Hashem, then that would be included in this category. So now the Gemara is going to break down each of these three and show where they show up in the Mishnayot. Someone who spoke after a Tamar Chachamim passed away spoke in an inappropriate manner about them. That's none. The Mishnah Ediot, who are you Omer? He's talking about a Kavya ben Mehalel. He used to say, Ein mashkin lo eta giorit, velo eta mishochreret. When it comes to the mei sota, the mei amarim of the sota, where she's given to drink, it's only true if the woman was not a convert or a shifcha kananit that was freed. If his wife was one of those two, then there's no din of sota, because the parsha says, B'nai Yisrael. Chachamim amrim, mashkin. Chachamim say that's not true, that she also drinks like any other woman. Vamulo, so there was a case in Karkamit. Karkamit either can be the name of the city where she came from or the name of the woman. She was a Shivcha Knanit that had been freed and now was married. Who were the leading rabbis at the time? They gave her to drink from the Mesota. And Akavya ben Allah said back to them, Dugma Hishkiwa. That they only gave them a dugma. Here there are two possibilities that to say about what is a dugma. A simpler understanding of that, what is Tosafot brings here, Bishem the Oruch, is that they gave her a placebo. They didn't really give her the mesuta to drink. They just gave her the placebo in order to put pressure on her or cause her to be in a certain amount of fear in order to extract the truth from her in that instance. That's one possibility. Rashi brings the other possibility, which is dugma, means similar to them. Shmai we know, were converts because they were from the Bnei Banim. They were descendants of Sancherev. So their families were families of Gerim. So he basically says is that their psak followed their own lineage. They gave a Shivcha Mishukher to drink because they were also from that type of lineage as well. And so he says that we don't listen to them or we're not going to follow their halacha because, in a sense, he's saying they were biased. So now we need dual. 
they put him into excommunication for saying that. And he died in that excommunication. And Beitin stoned his coffin. Over here, it doesn't literally mean Saklu, we'll see in a second. It means that they place a rock on it, or an indication that he never freed himself from that excommunication, and he's still at odds with the Beitin. What's this case of Mezalzel bin Daim, someone who uh, demeans the mitzvah of Minitilat Yadayim? So this is a continuation there. It's impossible. Makavi Mahalel certainly was not excommunicated. The time of the Mikdash, they used to bring the Korban of Pesach and Erev Pesach in three different shifts. And then they used to close the doors of the Azara, or in the time when it was still miraculous, the doors of the Azara were closed by themselves for those three shifts. So he says that the doors of the Azara would not close on an individual, meaning that there would be no individual found on there, it was as great as Gavim Halel, the Chochmah and wisdom, the Tara and purity, and the Yirat Chayit and fear of sin. So certainly he was not put into excommunication. Ella, et do. So what is the case? Instead, et Elazar ben Chanoch. Because he questioned the mitzvah of Netilat Yadayim. And when he died, he was still in his excommunication, so Beitin sent a messenger, Shleach Beitin, to place a stone on his Aron to show that he was still in this Niduj. To teach you, someone who's put into excommunication dies in that state, Beitin, so clean it, Aron. Oh, they stone his Aron. Okay, not literally stone, but they do it or take action to show that he still remains at odds with Beitin. So that was the alternative to in the Mishnah. So here you have two cases in the Mishnah where we had somebody put, being put into excommunication because of their inappropriate behavior towards a Tamil Chacham, towards the Rabbanan. The next case, which is a Megizdatov Klape Mala, Mahi, that's when the Mishnah is not in Tanit. Shalok Lo Shimon Bet Shatach, Bechoni Amagel. Shimon Shatach sent to Bechoni Amagel after the famous story where he demanded rain from a Baruch Hu after it rained and it was going too high. He says, not like that. I want it nice and gentle. So, said, after that incident, you should be put into excommunication. Had you not been Choni, I would have put you into excommunication. What can I do? Now, the word mitchateh here is a conjugation of the verb that is very difficult. So Rashi tries to give an explanation here. You can see on the side, but under the Ein Mishpat, that Rashi throughout Shas has different explanations of this word. The, I would say the, the thematic, the thematic um, interpretation of the word here is that someone who uh, inappropriately, or I don't know, someone who speaks to Hashem, but there's obviously something wrong with the way he's speaking. He's speaking in a a manner of demand and a manner that probably does not have the requisite kavod. So, and you, you just talk and he does. Just the way like a child speaks to a father. Sometimes they make requests or ask things in a slightly inappropriate manner because of their status as a son. But I can't do anything. And I knew the Pasuk says, Your mother and father should be happy. And the one who gave birth to you should rejoice. Meaning that he is of stature and status that he, had really had nothing he could do. And since he was such a great person, of course, everybody was 
proud of him, his parents, and all, all that were involved with him. He was basically a kid to Shashem, and so he couldn't really do anything about it, even though his behavior for anyone else would have been considered to be inappropriate. So those are the three instances that we find in the Mishnayot, where someone was threatened with excommunication or excommunicated for speaking inappropriately. So when it says, Vetulaka, are there no other cases? Vaika, the tiny Rav Yosef. Have a case by Rav Yosef, Todus Ishromi. Todus was the man of Rome. He was the head of the Jewish community in Rome. Hinhiget Bnei Romi. He led the people of Rome to have this following minhag, Lachilam Gideem Ukulasim Beled Pesachim. That on the night of Pesach, they used to basically roast a goat in the similar manner to the Korban of Pesach, which is that they used to do it whole over the spit. Had you not been Todus, I would have excommunicated you. Because you're feeding Bnei Israel Kodshim outside of the Mikdash. Now obviously it's not literary Kodshim Bachutz, but something that can lead to tremendous confusion. And therefore, Shem Shetach was against that, and that's our minhag today, that we don't have roasted meat on the night of Pesach, because of exactly this, that it shouldn't look like we are bringing the Korban Pesach outside of the Mikdash, or we have any Kodashim outside of the Mikdash. The Todosh Yisromi, there's differences in opinion, the Gmarim Sachim, as to whether he was a good person, someone who was a Tamar Chocham, and that's why the Chachamim were not Mifakpeg with his reasons, but had it not been for his stature, they would have been questioned his reasons or allowing someone to do this. Or Todus Yisromi, because of his power, his political position, was impossible to excommunicate him. But Shimon Shetta was indicating his displeasure with what he had done. Okay, The statement of Rabbi Shul ben Levi was that we find these cases in the Mishnah. But this case is a case of a Braita. And there's no other cases in the Mishnah. Has it's not? We have a Mishnah. This is the famous Tanur Shalachnai. This is the case of the Machok between Rabbi Lazar ben Hukunus and the Chachamim in the Gemara and Babatzi and Perka Zahaf. And over there you take a oven that was made out of Kheres, that was made out of clay. It is Mikabal Tuma after it's been fired in the kiln. After it's been fired in the kiln, it comes to made. The only way to be metahered is to be nititzas, to break it. So if a person slices the oven into pieces, it's no longer a kli, and therefore it is tahor. If you then reattach the oven by putting sand between the pieces that have been cut up, and then you plaster it over, in that instance, there's a machloket chachamin, Rebbe Lezer, as to the status of this oven. Rebbe Lezer metaher, Rebbe says it never reattains the status of kli, and therefore it's tahor, v'chachamin metamim. That they surrounded it with proofs and halachot like a snake, like a snake and wraps himself around something. So too, they get around this oven with all these halachot. And they decided that it's Tamei. We have a bright that explains what had transpired there. That day they brought all the tarot. The Rebbe Lezer said to Orim because of this tarot. And they burnt them in front of him. And afterwards they put him into Nidu. They excommunicated him. Over there the mention of the Nidu of the excommunication is only in the bright. The story is in the Mishnah. But the excommunication is only mentioned in the bright. So where are these 24 places? We only have three. So Bishuban Levi extrapolates. He extrapolates from these three cases, and based on that, he finds other cases in the Mishnayot where you have a Yahid, this individual who's arguing vehemently against the Rabim and doesn't back down from his position. So he should be deserving of excommunication. 
So he includes those as his count. So that's how he gets the other 21. Rabbi Lazar, lo medamem, milta lo milta. And Rabbi Lazar only found three, does not extrapolate. He says, I have three in the Mishnah, I don't go and extrapolate to other cases, because in the other cases, excommunication is not mentioned. And so that's why we have this difference in opinion between whether they're three or 24, but everybody agrees that there are only three explicit cases in the Mishnah, which we enumerated above. So now the Gemara moves back to the Mishnah, those that are carrying the mate, and those that will replace them. We do not begin the procession to take the mate out, to bury them close to the Zman Kriyachma. If you do that, you're going to ruin everybody's chances for saying Kriyachma. So if you just postpone it a little bit, give a chance, people a chance to say Kriyachma, then continue with the procession, it'll work out much better. On the other hand, if they already began the process of being Malaved the mate to the Kever, you don't stop in order to have everybody do Kriyachma. Once it's in process, in motion, we don't stop. In is that really true? Rav Yosef of Kua Samochel Kriyachma. Rav Yosef was taken out. Samochel Kriyachma. They didn't wait around for this man Kriyachma. It says, Adam Choshuv Shaini. Very bad. Atamah Chochav. Someone has Choshuv as Rav Yosef. Over there, it would be a lack of kavod to postpone his funeral procession because of this man Kriyachma. When talking about normal people, then we would postpone it in order to say Kriyachma and then move forward with the funeral procession. If the mate is present when they're giving the eulogy, then each one of them goes out, they go out individually, and they read Shema, or they say Shema, and then they return. So they slip off one by one to do this. If the mate is not present in front of them for the eulogies, they sit down and read Kriyachma, and they read Kriyachma, or the, here he is an onain, because the mate has yet to be buried, he sits down and is silent. Then they get up after they say Shema, and then they daven And then he goes forward and he accepts what a Baruch has given to him. Master of the world, I've sinned before you a lot, and you did not pay me in kind, meaning you haven't punished me. One out of a thousand. I, mean, I haven't even gotten one thousandth what I deserve. Please, fence in the breaches, our breaches, and the breaches of all of Israel, with mercy. I mean, that please don't punish us in kind or to what we truly deserve. No person should say what is being suggested here by this Tosefto, this Braita, because. Shimon Lakish, and they also say it over in the name of Rabbi Yossi, that a person should never open his mouth to the Satan, meaning that he shouldn't put himself in a position where he's giving ammunition to the negative side, opening up a petach, opening up a door, Pandora's box. And over here, basically he's saying to God is, I've sinned a lot, and you haven't taken retribution on me. So he's basically asking for God to take retribution on him. So we're not going to allow him to do that. What's the pasuk that shows you that you shouldn't be in potech peh satan? Shinemar, as it says in Yishayo, Perakaf is for Shabbat Chazon, after Shabbat Chazon. There it says, Kim'at kistom hainu. In pasuk tet there, it says, the people describe themselves, the refugees or the remnant of Yerushalayim, describe themselves like we were almost like stone. The destruction that will befall them will be as great as that of Stone Vamora. The only difference will be that there'll be some remnant. There'll be some that are left over. By Stone Vamora, everything was destroyed. And then a Pasuk later in Pasuk Yud, the Navi Ishayo gets a Nevoah, and it starts like this Shimu Hashem, Stone. Listen to the word of Hashem, you officers of Stone. So they describe themselves, or they're going to be described as having destruction like Sodom. 
And the next puzzle begins and says, okay, you want to be like stone? Then you guys are the officer of stone. Basically picks up where they left off. So you see from that, that if a person opens up their mouth for something negative, then sometimes it actually sticks and it is then reflected on them. They buried the mate and now they're on their way back to the Shura. For our Mishnah, it sounds like if you have a chance and ability to finish the entire Kriyachma, you should do it. But if you can only say one parak or one pasuk, don't. Viraminu, we have a brighter. finish the parak one section or pasuk one pasuk then you should do it. That's exactly what's meant in our mish. to begin and finish. What does it mean? Finish afilu or afilu pasuk Doesn't mean you have to finish the entirety of the kriyat shema. It means that even if you read one pasuk or one parak from it. If you have that opportunity beforehand, you should take that opportunity. Because that, actually, then they should start. If they don't have the opportunity to finish at least one section, whether that means a pasuk, a parak, then you shouldn't start. But if you have the ability to finish it, then you should go ahead and do that beforehand, even if it's only a small portion of the Kriyachma. Those that are standing in the Shura, this is to be Menachem Le'Avel, Benaban Shura, Haru'ah, Nima, Patura. The inner layer of the shura, meaning that it wasn't just a single line, a single five line, they were deep. There were one, two, three rows deep of people. So the people who are in the front of the row there, and they're going to be Menachem the Avel, because they are in the vision and in eye contact with the Avel, they are Turim. And those that cannot see in, meaning that they're behind the first or second rows, and they can't really see in, Chayavet, and they are Chayavin. Depends why you're joining the funeral procession or why you're being Menachim Ne'avel. If you're there to Menachim Ne'avel because you have some sort of relationship with the Avel or because you came to console or give condolences to someone who is in grief, then that's fine. Then you are patur because you're engaged in the mitzvah of Nechama here and therefore you're patur from the mitzvah of Kriyachim. On the other hand, if you just came for your own reasons, Chayavin. And as Rashi points out, is that they came for spectacle. They're spectators. They don't have any relationship here. They're just coming to see what's going on. They want to join the party, see what's going on. So those people are not Turim because they're not really engaged in the mitzvah. They're really there out of their own curiosity. What's not clear from Yehuda is what is he modifying? Is he modifying the first statement or the second statement of the Tamakama? Tamakama says the inner people are Turim, the outer people are Chayavin. So when he modifies that, is he saying the inner people are Turim are subject to this qualification, which is they have to be there for the Avil and not for spectating? Or is that talking about the outer rows? The outer rows, who are Chayavin, according to the Tanakama, Rabbi Yehuda then qualify that statement and say, well, on the outer rows, if they're there for the Avel, they're still Pturim. But only if they come to be spectators are they then Chayavin. It's unclear from Rabbi Yehuda how he's modifying the Tanakama. Now, of course, the last possibility is that Rabbi Yehuda is not necessarily arguing on the Tanakama, but he's simply explaining the position of the Tanakama. Person who realizes all of a sudden that he's wearing kilayim, he's wearing shatnais, wool and linen together in his beged, he must strip off that beged immediately, even if he's out in the public domain. He has to take off his shirt, drop it on the spot, and move on. So my time, huh? why is that? My sick calls the pasuk from Mishlein. There's no wisdom, there's no understanding, and there's no advice going against Hashem. When it comes to mitzvot Hashem, person has no personal discretion about what to do. He must follow the word of Hashem without any questions. Any time that there's a question mark about Chilul Hashem, meaning the violation of any of the mitzvot of the Torah, not listening to Hashem, 
In Chukim Kavod Briot, we don't worry about person's personal honor. Over here, Rav means anybody, a human being. Any human being, we don't take into consideration their their feelings in this situation. We say the Torah demands this of you, you must do it. Is that really true? They buried the mate, and now on their way back, and they have two paths to take. One of them has two on it, one of them is to Ora. If the Avel chooses to return on the path that is Torah, they go follow him that way. And if he goes down the path that is Tamei, you follow him down the path that is Tamei, because of his honor. Am I? Why should we allow you to become Tamei just for the honor of this Avel? That we don't have any discretion when it comes to the mitzvot. If you're not allowed to become Tamei, that's it, period. Don't become Tamei, irrespective of whether you're being Malaveh and Avel or doing something that is nice. Where it says, Tanga Rabbi Abba Beta Pras. Talking about Tumah de Rabbanan. Which is a Beta Pras, which is a field in which a kever was lost. We know that somebody's buried there, we just don't know where. And then the field's been plowed over. So now, even if there was somebody buried, we assume that the bones were scattered amongst the whole field. Since they're scattered amongst the field, we don't believe that there's more a size, a bone size, a fragment that's greater than a se'orav or barley seed. If that's the case, there's no tumat oel here. So if you walk over that field, you won't have any problem. Problem is tumat maga. If you come into contact with those bones, there will be a problem of tumat. So that's only a dindarabanan, that we're choshesh in every direction, a hundred amot, because of this plowing of the kever in the field. So that's beit pras, dindarabanan, we're talking about dindarabanan, 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 How do I know that it's only a dindarabanan? Because we allow a person to cross through a beta pras by blowing. If he gets down on the ground and he blows in front of him, he'll be sure that there are no atzamot over there that he will touch and be tamay. And in terms of Ohel, we said before that there's nothing here that is or something that has been walked over sufficiently, meaning it has been packed in the ground, then there's no longer to be any bone that's left there or floating around that you're going to bump into because it's a well-worn path. But you see from both of those dispensations that this is clearly only a dindarabanan because we're allowing you to do these methodologies to get out of the problem of Tumah, which we would normally not accept when it came to Tumah Deoraito. So Tashma, Damar of Lazarbar Tzadok, Midalgim Ainu Agabe Aronot Shalmetim. We used to skip either over or from one to the next of the coffins of the Metim, the Krat Yisrael, to go greet the Jewish kings. We didn't just do this for the Jewish kings. Not only for that, but even for the Machayakum, because we saw back on Amud Bet, the same quote here, because he can see in this world the royalty that is associated with the non-Jewish kings versus those of the Jewish kings. But then he'll get upstairs and he'll realize that the Malchai Yisrael have a much higher standing than Malchai Akum. And so despite the fact that they seem to have greater wealth, opulence, and presentation, in this world, nevertheless, you'll have the opportunity then to see in the world to come that it's all different. Samai, why are you allowed to skip along the coffins over here over the graves? And Rashi points out over here that Rabbi Lazar who's the author of this story, was a Kohen Hava. He was a Kohen, and therefore it was inappropriate for him to do this because a Kohen, when he comes to May, then he's in violation of an Isur Dorite, an Isur Mina Torah, of a Kohen not becoming to May. Why should the Kohen have any right to do this if we don't allow you to violate a Din Mina Torah? Kedarovo. It comes to know, oh well, as long as you have a space of a tefach, an empty space of a tefach, that blocks the tuma from going up. If you don't have that space of a tefach, then it does not block the 
Tumah. So over here you have a case where there's a high possibility that there is no Tumat Oel here. When you're running across these coffins, across these sarcophaguses, when you touch them, you're above it, and the mate is found inside of them. But since there's an Ohel over them, an Ohel has two effects. Anything that's under the Ohel is Tameh, but also is also Chutzetz. It stops the Tumat from continuing upwards, and therefore it will be trapped down below in the coffin or the sarcophagus. So therefore it will be Chutzetz from Tumat. Since most Aronot have that space above it, which would make it that there is no Tumah above. And they made a Gzeira that because there are some coffins that don't have that space, and therefore there would be Tumah Toel, we say, Tkwanim should not be found in the Beit HaKvarot, should not be found around these sarcophaguses, these coffins. Rabbanan suspended that Gzeira in the face of Kavod Melachim, running out to greet the kings. So they have built into their gzeira that there's no issue when it comes to running after melachim, even if there is tumah mid the rabbanan. Tashma, gadol kvod abirot, shadochet lotaseh shabatorah. Kvod abirot is so great that it even knocks off a lotaseh in the Torah. Din deoraita, vamai. Why should that be possible? Lema ein chokmah vein tuvana vein tzadah neged Hashem. The same puzzle we quoted above, let's say that you must follow the word of Hashem without respect to Kavod Abriot. The Targumar of Bar Shava Kameh the Rav Kahana Balav the Lotosur. Now about the Lav, the violation of Lotosur. So Achikule. So they laughed about this and they heard what he said. Lav the Lotosur Doraiti. So what that it's the Lav of Lotosur? That's another restriction in the Torah. Why should it be any different? Samar of Kahana Gavra Rabba Bar Milta Lotachikule. So we just saw this towards the end of Nidam. If a great man says something, you don't laugh about it because he obviously had reasons for what he said. And then you have to look into what the reasons are instead of laughing and walking away. So Kamile Derabana. No, we're not talking about Dine Dor, right? We're talking about here Dine de Rabbanan. But Dine de Rabbanan are under the umbrella of Lotasur. Because the Pasuk says, Lotasur, Yamino Small, Mikolasha You may not go right or left from what they teach you. That's a restriction against not listening to the Chachamim. It's a famous machloka between the Rambam and the Ramban as to how that works. The Rambam seems to indicate that Lotasur applies to any Din de Rabbanan. If you violate a Din de Rabbanan, you're in violation of that Isur Minat Torah. The Ramban doesn't like that. He says, What do you mean? Then there's no longer Every Sarek Durabanan becomes a Sarek Doraita. So there the Achronim try to deal with how to answer on behalf of the Rambam, but the Ramban obviously thinks that this Lotasur is only in Asmacht, and that seems to be the Lashon Gemara over here, which is that the issue of Lotasur is simply an Asmacht, but when it comes to Kvoda Briot, Rabbanan suspended their position. So the Lotasur is the overarching principle of why you must listen to the Rabbis, must listen to the Rabbanan. But the Rabbanan, when they instituted the Gzeira, they put in place also certain exceptions to the rule or certain dispensations, and that is Kvoda Briot. The Rabbanan did not uphold their word, which would possibly be a Doraita, in the face of Kavod HaBriot. And so over here, that's why it's an exception. So Tashma, from the Gemara in Bometzia, it says, It's talking about It says that you may not look away or disregard the Aveda as if you don't see it. So the Gemara Darshan There's sometimes where you may look away and ignore the Aveda. There's sometimes that you're not allowed to do that. Hakeit said, what's the distinction? He's a Kohen that's found in the cemetery. Then we don't ask the Kohen to go into the cemetery and become Tamei and violate the Nisu Doraita in order to bring you back your Avedo. Or if he was an elder gentleman who was of a certain stature and it would be beneath him to go and pick up your Avedo and to deal with it, he's also Pator. Or, 
the foregone income that we would have taking care of his friend's Aveda would exceed the value of the Aveda. And therefore his friend is not going to want it to pay more than the value of the Aveda to get it back. In those instances you should walk away. Amai, how could you walk away? should say that this is a mitzvah in the Torah. Why should there be any option or exception to the rule? So shani hotam dichtivi talamtamehem. That is not a question because we have a specific pasuk that guides us in this case, which says, There are certain instances where you are given that right to walk away. So when it says, So why don't we learn from that? Let that become a paradigm. When it says, This is a monetary matter. In monetary matters, the din may be different than when we come to Isura. And therefore, when we're talking about Kilayim, we're going to say, Strip off your begging in the shuk. And we're not going to say, oh, Just wear it back because of Kavoda Briot. So Tashma. Next case is from the Pasuk by Nazir. By Nazir it says, Al Nefesh Mate Loyavo, he may not come into contact with a dead person. And after it says, it lists out who he's not allowed to come to me for. Laviv, Ulimo, Ulachiv, Ulachoto, his father, his mother, his brother, his sister. So Umar says, Why do you need those? Those are all extraneous. He said already, Uncle Nefesh Mate Loyavo, that you're not allowed to become Tamate to any Tuma Tamate. So that should apply equally to any other person as well as his relatives. So why is it mentioning them separately? Why is it enumerating them separately? So the Gemara in other places says, I'll tell you why. Aviv, the fact that he's not allowed to be mitameh for his father, says you're not allowed to be mitameh for your father, but you are allowed to be mitameh for mate mitzvah. Some person who has no one to take care of their burial, that's called a mate mitzvah. And if you are obligated to become tameh and engage in that instance, that's what we learn out of Aviv. Imo, from Imo we learn out that even if he's not just a Nazir, but he's a Nazir that is also a Kohen, in that instance, since he has a double tushah, you would think maybe over there he shouldn't become Tamei for Meit Mitzvah. We still say that he's allowed to become Tamei for Meit Mitzvah. Next case is the case of Achiv. So Achiv, we say, what happens if he's a Nazir and a Kohen Gadol? Maybe over there he shouldn't become Tamei for Meit Mitzvah. Comes along, Achiv to tell him for his brother, he may not become Tamei for Meit Mitzvah, he may become Tamei. The last one is Achoto, and that's what our Gemara is discussing over here, Achoto. So why did he write Achoto? We already learned everything out of Aviv, Imo, and Achiv. So we learned out from there that an Azir must become Tamei for a mate mitzvah. We heard that an Azir Kohen must become Tamei for a mate mitzvah. And an Azir Kohen Gadol must become Tamei for a mate mitzvah. So what are we going to do with Achoto? It's extraneous. But if we can't use it for the issues of Nazir, it's nailed in Yenachir. We're going to deal with something else. And that is this case here. He was heading out to bring a Korban of Pesach with a Molot Beno or to give a Brit Milah to his son. And it gets word of the fact that he is now and Onain are going to be in Avel because he has a mate that passed away. Yachli Yilzor Vitma, I would think he should go back and take care of them and become Tamei. But once he comes Tamei, he's going to preclude himself from carrying out the other mitzvah that he needs to do. So where it says, Bidotamart lo yitma. Pasuk says, by the Nazir, you're not allowed to become Tamei. Yachli Yilzor Vitma, Yachli Yilzor Vitma, Yachli Yilzor Vitma, Yachli Yilzor So I would say, just like you're not Mitamei for Korban Pesach or for Mila, so too you should be Mitamei for Mit Mitzvah. You may not become to me for your sister of a who the mate mitzvah, but you're allowed to become to me for a mate mitzvah, even in the face of losing out on doing the korban pesach and brit milah for your child. Because in this instance, if he becomes to that will preclude him from taking care of either of these issues. And by doing so, he's actually going to run himself up against the karate, which is that there are two mitzvot to say, there are two positive commandments that have a karate associated with them. One of them is milah, and the other one is Korban Pesach. So here you're going to be, quote-unquote, Chayav Karait if you do not perform the mitzvah. Nevertheless, mate mitzvah trumps. And that's what Ochoto comes to teach you. May not trump 
becoming to me for a relative like your sister, but made mitzvah does trump in this case and says that he does become to me, even if it will now ruin his chance of bringing in the Korban Pesach or giving a Brit to his child. So my says again, am I? Why is that true? Why don't we say the same thing over here, which is, why should he become to for a make mitzvah? In this instance, he has no reason to become Tamei, except that there's a made mitzvah here. But he has, on the other hand, he has a restriction in the Torah not to become Tamei. So why doesn't that govern over here? It says, Shani Hotom, There's a difference over there because the Pasuk specifically gives you the reason. It gives you a mute of Lachoto. So Achoto teaches you that's the case. It says, Why don't we learn from Achoto and extrapolate that paradigm to the rest of the cases? It says, Shei Shani. The case of Achuto is a case of passive violation of the Torah law. Because in that case, he's supposed to bring his Korban Pesach. He's supposed to perform Brit Milah. And if he doesn't do that, then all he's doing is through passivity, he's in violation of those mitzvot. He's not actively violating those mitzvot, he's only doing it through passivity. And we know throughout Shas that the Chachamim were empowered to the Oker, something in the Torah, B'Sheva Al-Tase. So this is a case of Sheva al where you're passive, and then, because of your passivity, you are now in violation of what would be an Easter karate. Because it's Sheva Al-Tase, we can't extrapolate that from the thing like a Kum which is the case of Kilayim. He's wearing a Begad Kilayim. It's not that he's just sitting around. No, he put on a Begad, and he's wearing the Begad. That's an Easter of Kilayim, so he has to remove it, because that is a Kum and therefore we can't extrapolate from the case of Mit Mitzvah, from Achoto, to our case of Kilayim over here. I'll just note one thing about... The cases, we talked about a hierarchy of moving from a, a Nazir to a Nazir Kohen to a Nazir Kohen Gadol, and then to Achoto, which was this issue with the Korban Pesach and the Brit Milah. The question is, who are we talking about in that final case? Rashi mentions a couple of times, it's talking about a Nazir Kohen Gadol. A Nazir Kohen Gadol now adds on another level of Kedushah. We started out with Nazir, add a level of Kohen, add another level because he's a Kohen Gadol. Now this is the fourth thing, which is we add the Kedushah of going to do a mitzvah that say that involves Karet. So that adds up another dimension of Kiddushah. Tosafot doesn't love that because he says he doesn't think it's necessary. We're already, all these people are already given to make mitzvah. Korban Pesach is not a direct Kiddushah of the individual. That that should add some dimension to the case here. And therefore Tosafot suggests that the case by Achoto is talking about a regular person, a regular person, about the issue of Korban Pesach and Brit Milah, which involve a karet, an assay to karet, so over there, that's why we're speaking about these instances or these cases, even though it does not involve a Kohen or a Nazir or anybody else. Now Rashi asks the very obvious question, which is, we had four words in the Pasuk. We had Aviv, Imo, Achiv, Achoto. Now, the Achoto we use for a case of Sheva Atase, which is Korban Pesach Amila. But the first three cases were cases of Kum Va'ase. He's actively going to deal with the Meit Mitzvah, in order to take care of that mitzvah and become Tamei. That's active violation of the mitzvah. And how come over there we don't bring those as paradigms? Why is it when we say Sheva Al-Tasei? Rashi says something very interesting and very difficult. He says that the, by the other cases, The reason that the Lotase suspended here is not because of Kavriyot. Because mate mitzvah, the Isra of Tumah was not associated with the mate mitzvah. And therefore when the Isur of becoming Tameh for the Nazir or for the Kohen or the Kohen Gadol was written, it already had a built-in exemption for the case of mate mitzvah. And so over there, you're really not even in violation of this Isur because mate mitzvah is already built in 
dimension. And then he says, but but that's not true by the Korban of Pesach. By Korban Zemizah, there's no built-in dispensation because it deals with all of Klai Yisrael. If it deals with all of Klai Yisrael, then it's clear that there's no dispensation. The question is why? It can be equally true that by Pesach, you do have the same din, which is that there's a suspension of the din in the face of Meit Mitzvah, just like by the other cases. That's what Tosafot asks over here. He says, I don't understand that distinction that Rashi drew. And if he offers an alternative distinction, which is, Nazir is a new case, which is not really a full-fledged Isur, because you can undermine the Nizirut by doing Hatarat Nidarim. Kohen, the restriction against Tumah is also not a full-fledged restriction, because Kohen is not something that is applies to everybody, but to a specific part of the population. Then, by Pesach Amilah, they have broad appeal and effect because they affect all of Klai Yisrael. And so therefore, over there, they are like a real lav. And those are real issues. And because of their real issues, that Kavod Abriot would dictate? The answer is no, that it's a case of Sheva al That's one way to formulate it. The other way to formulate it is that they were dealing with a Chiyuv Karet. And since it's a Chiyuv Karet, we're talking about a much higher level or serious issue. And despite that fact, we have the dispensation over there. So that's why we would have used that as the paradigm. Again, the Gemara rejects that as the paradigm because they say that's a case of Sheva al But if it's a Kumba we would not apply it. Okay, I'm going to stop over here.